This is a Suno India production and you are listening to Gasping for Breath. If you go to Mumbai Shivji TB Hospital in the evening, you can hear winds blowing from inside the wards through its almost wall-length windows. By early evening, the hordes of patients who come during the day disappear. Built first as a sanatorium in 1919, the hospital has sprawling luxurious gardens. While the garden is welcoming in the morning, they seem eerie at night. The hospital serves TB patients. often homeless or abandoned by their families its windows are covered by iron grills why because this hospital has seen many patients trying to commit suicide often succeeding this is where i first came face to face with the horrors of tb apart from its patients and staff barely anyone else visits this hospital not even us journalists so much then in january 2012 A private doctor Zareed Udwadia called for a press conference and announced to the world that he had 12 tuberculosis patients with the worst strain of TB. How many drugs do you think my patient Salma was resistant to? Take a guess. 12. And how many drugs did we have to treat TB at the time? We had 12. We called her totally drug resistant TB. Salma is among the 4 lakh Indians who die of this disease every year. In 2017, there were approximately 28 lakh new TB cases in India. This accounts for a quarter of world's TB cases. So how did we reach here? How did the problem become so big? I am Meenaka Rao, a senior health reporter and the host of this podcast Gasping for Breath. I have for years written about TB. I have met many patients, survivors and families. Through this podcast, I will try to bring to you the reasons why the problem of TB refuses to go away. Not only that, it has become more virulent, more difficult to handle and now reached the proportion of a public health emergency. In this episode, I shall explain how TB affects the body and the history of how the disease was treated. TB is caused by a bacteria called Mycobacterium tuberculosis. It affects the lungs the most, but it can infect any part of the body. It spreads from person to person through air. When people with lung TB cough, sneeze or spit, they expel the germs into the air. Anyone who inhales a few of these germs could get infected. It is not clear how long it takes for the disease to spread. However, the risks multiply if you are in say a crowded room. How the bacteria is fought by the body depends on its immunity. Many famous people have died of TB. This includes the poet John Keats, the writer George Orwell, writers Emily and Charlotte Bronte, and even Muhammad Ali Jinnah. This is Bollywood superstar Amitabh Bachchan sharing his story of contracting spinal TB and surviving it. 2000 mein sun 2000 mein jab maine company mein prakriti shuru ki उस समय मेरी रीढ़ की हड्डी में बहुत दर्द होता था और वो कुर्सी पर बैठने में तकलीफ होती थी 
कुछ इन्वेस्टिगेशन किया और पता चला कि मुझे ट्यूबोक्लोसिस हो गया उस डिटेक्शन के बाद उसका इलाज हुआ और आज मैं टीबी से मुक्त हूँ टीबी कैन इन्फेक्ट एनी वन बट सम पीपल आर मोर वेबल देन अदर्स टीबी एफेक्ट द पुअर मालनरिश पीपल एस्पेशली दोज लिविंग इन क्राउडेड एरियाज द मोस्ट those who are in a job that makes one's lungs weak such as stone crushers or miners for instance they're more likely to get tb when one looks at the history of tb one realizes that the tb bacteria infected people who decided to settle down in other words wherever there have been signs of what is known as development tb surfaced too the oldest evidence of tb is about 9000 years old in israel's atletiam In this village archaeologists found both human and animal skeletons with TB lesions. Back then people did not know what was killing them. It was called white plague. Its victims had a white pallor. It was called consumption because the disease appeared to eat the victim up from inside. Families sometimes entire communities would be wiped out because of the disease. It horrified people so much that they believed that vampires killed their loved ones. The story of Jewett city vampires from 1850s is one of them. In 1990, archaeologists digging there found remains of a skeleton inside coffins in a complete disarray like someone had rearranged them. The archaeologist Nicholas Bellatoni found one coffin where thigh bones were uprooted and crossed over the chest region. Bellatoni traced the grave back to one Ray family in which the father Horace Ray and two of his sons died in quick succession. When another son fell sick, the family members and community decided that the dead had become undead and zombie-like. Like the dead had arisen from the grave and they were feeding off the blood of family members for nourishment. The family was so convinced with this theory that they exhumed the bodies of the already dead family members, burned them, and rearranged the bones as a solution to this problem. Little did they know that it was the tiny bacteria causing TB which were ravaged through the community. The son in the family died anyway. These beliefs continued because people did not know what caused TB. It was only in the year 1882. that the first conclusive evidence of tb as a infectious disease was discovered robert co published his paper announcing the discovery of tubercle bacteria as the primary cause of tuberculosis in 1882 it was estimated that one in seven people died of tb no no tuberculosis is not inherited it is passed from one person to another this is an enemy an enemy far more dangerous than any we've encountered in battle an enemy that is stealthy and insidious silent and deadly an enemy that works in the dark in the warm moist atmosphere of the tissues inside the human body particularly in the lungs At the time however sanatoriums were the only recourse to tuberculosis fresh air heliotherapy or prolonged exposure to sunlight good nutritious food along with some light exercise had some impact in arresting the disease among the patients 
mass radiology was making it possible for the patients to be diagnosed of tb early in india the british government at that time started paying attention to the problem only when the mortality of certain groups of people increased such as the army prison inmates and the police in 1914 dr arthur lancaster from medical missionary association of india investigated the extent of tuberculosis in india by traveling across india for 2 years he noted there was an apparent increase of tb in the cities particularly in the then bombay calcutta and madras presidency the high death rates were mostly in areas where there were mills or factories in amdavad for instance more than 5 people out of 1000 were dying of tb Sanatoriums were popular in Europe and US but were first built in India by Christian missionaries in Tilonia Rajasthan later many others were built across the country such as in Madnapalle in Andhra Pradesh Dharampur in Himachal Pradesh among other places one of the first TB dispensaries in the country was built in Mumbai in Kamatipura a red light district In 1919 a sanatorium was built in Bhoiwada Hills now a suburb of Shivdi in central Mumbai. This is the Shivdi hospital where this podcast first began. This place now a TB hospital is probably Asia's largest. It was then supposed to just provide a judicious mix of exercise and rest and had parlor games and a library. In 1944 biochemists and microbiologists Selman Waxman and his PhD student Albert Schaas from Rutgers University US were able to produce streptomycin from soil microbes. This drug was found to be effective against tuberculosis. In the 1940s, a small group of scientists working under improbable conditions in four countries pulled off an antibiotic miracle, the combination of drugs that promised to exterminate the greatest killer ever known to man. Waxman had a deal with the university to receive 20% of his net royalties. In 1948 alone, his royalty payment was 124,000 US dollars. Streptomycin was barely available outside US. Even post-war Britain had too few dollars to buy it. They could only afford to buy 50 kgs of the drug, which was bought for a sum of 320,000 dollars, which were distributed via randomized controlled trials only 50 people got the medicine during the trials doctors then were besieged for this miracle drug a black market emerged for this drugs george orwell became the first person in scotland to be treated for tb a bank account with the proceeds of the sale from his book animal farm provided the money for streptomycin It is important to remember how life-saving drugs are not widely available to anyone who is sick with this disease. This saga continues till date. In countries such as India which got independence around the same time, there was no system of delivering TB care. India then had only 118 clinics and about 11,600 beds. It needed about 5 lakh beds then. A nationwide survey done by the Indian Council of Medical Research between 1955 and 1958 showed that 400 people per 1 lakh population had TB. About 5 lakh people died of the disease every year. This mind you was the last TB prevalence survey done in the country. 
Previously, only three drugs were available. When we were students, Professor Masudan Das was head of the department, and he was very much TB minded because he was a pulmonologist. Just the kagaj mein unka char pad banta tha ek seat mein pura, but ek kone mein kewal teen dawa likhi rati thi. Ambestrin 0.75, one vial IM daily. Ethambutol 800, one tablet daily. Isonex 300, one tablet daily. Continue for six months, both tablets, injection, 60 days. That was total prescription. And after 80, when he was practicing, he was not mentally sound, but he was again writing the same medicine and the cure rate was more than 50%. Because more than 50% persons used to suffer from tuberculosis and they used to improve. So that was the old age treatment of TB. There was a very poor public health system which the WHO and the Indian government considered will not be able to handle the TB problem anytime soon. At around the same time, a two-pronged solution was proffered. One was vaccinating the entire population. The other was offering TB treatment at home, which is called domiciliary treatment. Despite the advent of medicines, most patients were still treated in hospitals during the duration of their treatment. Is that really necessary? The WHO wanted to check there especially in India, considering there were not enough beds to treat TB patients. In 1956, the WHO, the Medical Research Council of Great Britain, and the Indian Council of Medical Research conducted a landmark trial in Madras. The idea was to check if TB treatment taken at home is as good as the TB treatment in hospital or sanatorium. They decided to have two wings of treatment, one where the patient's took treatment at home and one where the patients were housed in the sanatorium for a year. Dr. Yogesh Jain, who runs Jan Swastha Sayog, a community hospital in Chhattisgarh, revisited this trial. It was a very well done study supported by the British Medical Research Council that people who were either who were treated in, uh, in sanatoria or at home had equal rates of disease conversion and therefore cure in terms of uh, whether their germs had died or not. They did not study how, what was their ability to return back to work. Uh, that was not part of the uh, outcomes that they com commented upon in this paper. Uh, but the other uh, uh, smaller bits of data that came out from this study showed that people who were treated in a sanatoria, especially the women, they gained an average of 11 pounds weight that is five and a half kilos at least, on, uh, in the duration of treatment they received. Whereas the women who were in the domiciliary treatment at home, who got home food and had to work uh, there while, uh, while they were re receiving treatment, they gained a lordly weight gain of, one, of two pounds or two and a half pounds in the duration of treatment. And as we know from our biomedicine also, that uh, the weight gains that you uh, have are a good marker of you know your disease recovery and your ability to work later, which is an important thing for all laboring people. 
so uh, while the men did not show a very significant uh, weight gain difference in domiciliary versus sanatorial care um, people who were in sanatoria obviously got a very uh, sub, uh, defined and a high calorie high protein diet whereas in home the food would even if you get supplements they would be shared between family members as well as the household uh, laboring which is itself a calorie you know expenditure would continue uh, given the the gender uh, distribution of laboring that that happens in you know patriarchal societies uh, like ours it, it clearly showed that women were at a disadvantage uh, when they were treated at home with tb drugs uh, but this differential was obfuscated when you know you combine both men and women then it showed that the weight gains were not terribly different between those who were treated at home or in the hospital so for the next 50 years we uh, i included uh, generations of doctors have been trained to believe that uh, domiciliary treatment is as good uh, in fact and it has a social advantage of you know not disrupting families and uh, situations uh, at home and uh, also al- allowing better privacy and uh, you know confidentiality of date of uh, care at home till the uh, the direct observation uh, uh direct direct observation strategy of dots came in in the late 90s the scientists then were keen to see the benefits and the cost effectiveness of the treatment protocol but the study turned a blind eye to how the person in the trial lived with the disease and after the disease at the same time the indian government with the who started a bcg vaccination program in india it was promised that the vaccine will reduce the tb incidence by 80% The program started in Madhapalle district in present day Andhra Pradesh and the vaccine was produced at a lab in Guindi outside Madras. However, a nationalistic movement started against the vaccine as soon as 1949. A former sanitary engineer from Madras, A.V. Raman, published editorials against the program. This movement got momentum when freedom fighter and head of Madras state C Rajagopalachari supported the campaign. Their argument was we need to build a health and sanitation systems first a technological fix won't do. Coming under pressure the ICMR in 1968 conducted a trial in Chingalpet area of Madras to test if the vaccine provided any protection against TB. At the end of more than 12 and a half years it was found that the vaccine did not offer any significant protection against TB. However the vaccine is still given to children at birth because it is supposed to provide protection against childhood forms of TB such as TB meningitis. During the trial in 1960 the government also launched the National Tuberculosis Program. This program offered diagnosis at a district level and a home-based treatment with streptomycin and parazinamide for about 18 months. The duration of treatment changed over a period of time and was reduced to about a year. However, the logic of the program was simple. If a person had symptoms of TB, he or she will travel all the way to the district headquarters to be diagnosed and get treatment. The district TB center should have x-ray and lab facilities including a doctor to treat tuberculosis dr kamal chopra director of new delhi tuberculosis center was with the tb program then this me aate hi us patient ka x ray ho jata tha 
स्मॉल फिल्म छोटे छोटे एक्सी होते हैं एक अलग से कैमरा होता था ओडेल का अदरवाइज जो आप नॉर्मल एक्सी होते हैं उसे तेरह बाईस बारह का फिल्म बड़ा होता है वो छोटा रोल होता था फिल्म की तरह रोल चलता जाता था तो एक एक करके नहीं करना पड़ता था आप फोर्टी फिफ्टी सिक्सटी एक्सी कर सकते हो उसमें बिल्कुल रोल हो जाता था जैसे फोटोग्राफ की फिल्म नहीं होती थी उससे साइज थोड़ा बड़ा हो जाता था महीने की दवाई दे दी तुम घर बैठ के दवाई खाओ एक उसका ट्रीटमेंट कार्ड बना देते थे ट्रीटमेंट शुरू में दो साल था फिर अठारह महीने हुआ फिर एक साल हुआ इंजेक्शन जो थे वो नब्बे नाइन्टी देते थे नाइन्टी इंजेक्शन आर वेरी फेमस कोई पुराना पेशेंट हो ना जिसमें नाइन्टीज में इलाज कर नब्बे टीके लगे थे तुम्हें तो टीबी था हर महीने दवाई लेने आता था पेशेंट सपोज पेशेंट दवाई लेने नहीं आया एक हफ्ते बाद एक वीक के बाद उसको डीटीसी से डीटीसी आना पड़ता था दवाई लेने के लिए डीसीटीवी सेंटर तो डीटीसी में कार्ड बना होता था उसका और उसको एक पोस्ट कार्ड भेज देते थे कि आपकी दवाई ड्यू है आप खाने नहीं आए लेने नहीं आए दवाई दिस प्रोग्राम वॉज रिव्यूड इन नाइनटीन नाइनटी इट वॉज कंसिडर्ड अर ऑफ सॉर्ट हमारा बेसिस ऑफ डायग्नोसिस जो था वो एक्सरे था अब एक्सरे में कोई भी शेड स्पेसिफिक नहीं होता कई बार निमोनिया टीबी लगता है कई बार टीबी निमोनिया लगता है कई बार निमोनिया कैंसर लगता है कैंसर टीबी की तरह लगता है We say there is no specific shadow of tuberculosis. With the result, 30% cases जो थे ओवर डायग्नोज हो रहे थे तो ओवरऑल जो कहते थे हम सिर्फ वन थर्ड पेशेंट डायग्नोज कर पाते थे वॉट इज मोस्ट इंडिकेटिव ऑफ द फेलियर ऑफ द प्रोग्राम इज अ ब्लाइंड बिलीफ इन मेडिकल टेक्नोलॉजी मेनली कीमोथेरेपी एंड इग्नोरेंस ऑफ द सोशियोलॉजिकल एस्पेक्ट ऑफ टीबी The National Tuberculosis Institute of Bangalore was then conducting studies on the sociological aspects of TB. One particular study in 1963 based in Tumkur district of Karnataka clearly stated that the program was far from the magic bullet for controlling TB. The success of chemotherapy itself was dependent on the improvement in socio-economic conditions. While some people who dropped out of the treatment could not come to the city every month, some had a precarious arrangement of sometimes sending their relatives to TB center to collect pills. Others lost their cards. Some faced road health workers. Some were told that the pills won't work without a diet and just stopped treatment as a result. Some moved to districts that had no coverage for TB treatment. The initial optimism for the technological advancement that will resolve the TB problem no longer held true unfortunately like all evidence had indicated including the madras trial tb was a problem that could only end if the overall health systems improved there was no easy fix to this problem uh, one lesson that we could draw is that it is better to have no program than to have a bad program but certainly uh, the third situation is what we should aspire towards have a program that when people are taken on for their illnesses when the people seek treatment then it is their it is a system's responsibility to ensure that they finish the treatment it is not alone the patient's responsibility and i would say i would underline that message that to seek treatment is a is a responsibility of a person who is sick but 
to ensure that they continue treatment and complete their treatment and return back to work. And uh, if any relapses happen, even to pick them up, is the responsibility of a system that aspires to manage people with tuberculosis rather than you know leave it to the person who's suffering to ensure his or her own treatment. I would say instead of you know the system blaming the people for defaulting on treatment, the system should not default on uh, people who have sought care from them. Thank you for listening to Gasping for Breath. We would like to thank Padmapriya for editorial support, Rakesh Kamal for support with production, Tarun Nirwan for technical support, Kunika Balhotra for assisting with research, and Priyanka Kumar for her artwork. You can listen to our other shows on our website, sunoindia.in.